Welcome again to the Hidden Yards Podcast. Sean Martin here at Sean Martin NFL on Twitter. Mark Lane is once again out this week. You can, of course, follow him at the real Mark Lane for the latest and greatest Cowboys insight. And taking his place, another member of our blog in the Boys Universe, he is LP Cruz at Twitter at SDQ Flight Crew. So LP has been one of our newer members to the BTB staff, but you've seen him on podcasts like this, our weekly Tuesday night roundtable. And, of course, articles on the front page of bloggingtheboys.com as well. So, you know, you heard a couple of weeks ago that Christy Scales, Cowboy sideline reporter, kind of got on Mark and I's case a little bit for calling every show that we do after a loss a bit of a post-mortem. But to that point, we only have one post-loss show to do. But now we have, unfortunately, another one as the Cowboys fall at the hands of the Philadelphia Eagles. Sunday night football, it was not to be for Cooper Russ once again. 26-17, and LP, though I say post-mortem, it was still looking that way in the first half as far as finding anything positive to talk about in this game, but the second half did give us some positives and some things that we'll get into, but the final score again, 26-17, as the Cowboys fall to 4-2, and two, more than you could ask for based on you know how these weeks were expected to go with Cooper Rush's quarterback. There's a lot of room to grow now with Prescott potentially expected back as early as next week against the Detroit Lions, who will be coming off of a bye week at AT&T Stadium. But at the same time, the Eagles get to 6-0 and on a day where the Giants get to 5-1. and So not a whole lot settled yet in the NFC East, but through four quarters of work there in Philadelphia, even in a loss, the Cowboys proved that you know they have some staying power here and they're going to keep their name in this fight until the end, it seems, as they fall at Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, well, you said post-mortem. I mean, we were sitting there just pulling apart the wreckage. It felt like you had to get the jaws of life early on in that game. Uh, and the way I kind of assessed it and looked at it was all of the things that we had kind of talked about with the quarterback, you wanted him to be protected from himself. You wanted the game plan to protect him from himself in the event that he had to throw the ball a lot. The script went off and it went out the window basically by halftime. A couple of unlucky plays that went against their way. You think about Noah Brown's would-be touchdown on an amazing catch. Uh, and a lot of it came back full circle. Just, I mean, they, they kind of let it snowball so far to where it did become a game. But the little mistakes they made early on, they had to try to make up for it. So you think about that one. You think about uh, Dante Fowler's offside penalty in the red zone to start the game. Just those little mistakes came back to bite them. Uh, and, again, it's post-mortem. That's fine. But – there's a lot of different stab wounds on this body tonight, it looks like. So Fowler's offside penalty created the first, or helped lead to the first Eagles touchdown of the game in the first half when they would build the lead to 20 to nothing in this game, and the comeback was on from there, though. In the second half for the Cowboys, of course, you know, not only just this week leading up to this game against probably the toughest tests that we knew they were going to face all year, but also just in general, when Cooper Russ was asked to step in, you know, as early as week two against the Bengals, we knew that this team wasn't going to be built to play from behind, and it was going to put even more pressure on Dan Quinn's defense. You know, they had Joe Burrow that first week with Russ, and they faced some good quarterbacks, Matt Stafford, and yet they still were put in a position where they needed to, you know, keep the offensive in striking distance so that you're not asking too much from Cooper Russ, and that's what happened in the second half here. His comeback effort falls short as that final third interception really did the Cowboys in on Sunday night. You know, the first two, they were in a position to survive, but that third one 
probably even the most back-breaking play because it could have been a touchdown to see the lamb if not for Brandon Graham beating uh, Tyler Smith at left tackle, getting the hit on Cooper Russ, which forced a bad pass, and Russ's third interception too much to overcome as the Cowboys' defense still made their stand in this game, still held Jalen Hurts to a fewest completions and yards that he's thrown for all season long, but that, those read option type plays and the Eagles running game proved to be too much. I think also if we're talking about the quarterback for a second, you see the dichotomy of both quarterbacks, right? Like you see the differential in both quarterbacks with Cooper Rush, and I'll start with him first. There's always going to be the, the disparity of talent, overall talent and the physical tools and the, the ability. It's going to be where he's still a backup quarterback. He's still getting his feet wet in the NFL, playing live snaps. So it does take him a second to identify what he sees. He's not the only quarterback like that. Even there, there's long-time starters that still have to kind of process things as they see it. But so, most starters and most players can override that mistake by having the natural tools, a.k.a. arm strength, to fit balls in tighter windows if they're behind. With Cooper Rush, if it's not on time, that's an issue. So it's one thing of timing. But then it's the physical limitation of him not even being able to drive the football. And that he had three interceptions. You, you talked about that, but there were a lot more would-be ones that were kind of closer besides that. Um, he put the ball in harm's way a lot. Very, very oftentimes the ball's put in harm's way. And you mentioned the throw to C.D. Lamb. I, he was hit. He was pressured. But from what I saw, the, the contact came after his motion was completed. So he left it short. Uh, I, I can't really give him a pass for that one. He just left it short. But again, the physical limitations with him versus – you talk about Jalen Hurts, where Jalen Hurts now can he can escape the pocket, he can run. Um, you know, he's starting to see things a little bit better. He's starting to kind of understand more. But again, playing time, that football maturity, that experience is starting to show off for Jalen Hurts. And you know, hats off to the Eagles. It's a quality win for them. A game that they they felt like they needed that. They they feel like they needed to have that confidence of believing in themselves, and it's great. But um, the difference in both quarterbacks tonight lent itself to what you saw, albeit the passing numbers weren't prolific with Jalen Hurts that's not really their formula as we can tell especially against the Cowboys who they will see again uh in a game I'm sure it's going to matter later on in the season um but you just were able to see how they want to control the game control the Cowboys defense and you're going to talk about this I'm sure but um by extension control Micah Parsons I think that was a big factor for the Eagles to control Micah Parsons as much as they could definitely want to get into that but first you know the first half, I was putting my show notes together throughout the game, of course, as we do, and I turned them into a weekly recap every Monday afternoon or so. You can read my immediate thoughts from kind of a scouting perspective on every Cowboys Sunday game, so that'll be available on BTB tomorrow. But, you know, you look at the first half, and, you know, I feel like the only positive we were getting ready to be able to talk about was at least Russ is proving that this team has so much room to grow when Prescott comes back, you know, the hype has gotten off the rails a bit at times for Cooper Russ, who's been national media, you know, talk about him staying as a starting quarterback. And so I was pretty much getting ready to talk about, well, at least we could put that to bed. And that would have been the only, you know, good thing that we had to say about this game as it was a 20 point lead to Eagles built up and then 20 to three at halftime. So you know, it did come stormy back and they did get the offense going. And I think a lot of that is credit to coaches who we've already given a good amount of credit to. You know, I've been a part of this Hidden Yardage show since the offseason, so long-time listeners know, you know, kind of what the vibe of this show was. 
through both the active parts of the offseason and the doldrums as well, which, you know, I can't credit Mark enough for coming up with the bulk of our show rundowns and keeping us relevant in the offseason where we really pride ourselves on, you know, cutting through the noise, if you will. And he has a ton of experience, you know, just covering this league and this team and as do I. And you know, we've made that work that way. So if you listen to the offseason, you know, we still addressed what was being said nationally about this team. And it was a lot of pressure on what well, Mike McCarthy was going to face this season, a lot of pressure on Kellen Moore to be more innovative with this offense. And, you know, Dan Quinn even was, you know, did he have a foot out the door to go look for a head coaching job that wasn't to be this year? And we'll see, of course, you know, with how well he has the defense playing right now. If this will be the upcoming offseason where Dan Quinn takes the head coaching job. But right now, of course, not much to complain about with the job he's done. Plus, McCarthy and Moore have earned praise for, you know, what they've done to get Cooper Rush to what was a 4-1 and record before, or 4-0 record before now, and now the first loss uh, to drop the team to 4-2. and But just compare it to, you know, if you would have told me that the Cowboys coaches were going to do, you know, whatever they were going to be performed at this season, and I think they've exceeded expectations, but if you were going to tell me, you know, whatever performance level – we were going to think they were at when it comes to McCarthy and Moore, but that the Eagles were going to be 6-0 and with Nick Sirianni and, you know, their offensive and defensive coordinators are going to be calling great games on both sides of the ball as well. And Brian Dable was going to have the Giants at 5-1. and I mean, this team in New York won four games all of last year. Now Brian Dable has them at 5-1. and Wink Martindale, almost similar to Dan Quinn, has a defense that dials up a lot of pressure and they got their first interceptions of the season this week against uh, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens and a big home win there. So if you're going to compare it to that and say, you know, the rest of this division would be playing at such a high level, I don't know many Cowboys fans out there that would have been saying that this team has any chance. So in the first half, not many good things to say about Kellen Moore or Mike McCarthy, but by the end of it, you know, you don't want to give them too much credit. And a loss, of course, they have to go put their head down and get ready for a Detroit Lions team that's, again, coming off a bye, so that's always a unique challenge with Dan Campbell's team there. But the Cowboys will still be favored, and, and there's still a path ahead to get this ship righted pretty quickly after this loss, especially if this is the week that Prescott makes his return. But, you know, if you, if you judge the full four quarters body of work like we have the chance to do now in Philadelphia, this team showed a lot of resilience. They showed the adjustments on offense to get the tight ends involved, take Ferguson with the fourth quarter touchdown, Peyton Hendershot, started making some plays there in the second half. The run game got going. The defense adjusted. So all around, again, not a perfect game by any stretch for the Cowboys coaches, but if this is the end of their chapter, coaching without, you know, their best player, Dak Prescott, on the field, I think it's an overall, you know, resounding positive, and it keeps them in the fight with an Eagles and Giants coaching staff that has their teams playing at an exceptionally high level as well. And it's all going to be how you look at it, and it's all about the perceptions of the situation and you set it up really well the the big picture is positive it is encouraging that you know despite things and i think this game really uh summarizes the whole thing well it's it's a great example or a great microcosm of the entire scope of what's going on when things look their bleakest the team was riding around the coaching staff you know like you lose that press guy the week one you don't have him and things look very bleak i mean you're online saying I'm way online. I, I read the comments. I read the, the tweets. I understand what's going on. The pulse of the fan base was displeased. They were very, uh, they were upset and justifiably so. 
and it took a lot. You talked about the offseason with, with Mark and how you guys assessed the storylines and assessed the perceptions of the, of the club going into the offseason then to now. To have all that, and you talked about Dan Quinn maybe looking elsewhere. Uh, let's not forget, you know, Kellen Moore as well was looking elsewhere potentially. There was a lot of pressure that was placed on the coaching staff based on last year and the way that they lost against uh, the Niners in the playoffs. So with all that information, all that negative energy, presumably, around the team, around the coaches, around the leadership and the backbone of the organization, at least for the on-field product, for them to respond the way they did after losing in week one, and then you play this game tonight where you're down 20-0 to zero against an, an opponent who were very, very confident in this game, very confident they were going to annihilate you if the script got out of hand, which it did, the way they rebounded. Uh, and I think it speaks a lot to, one, Mike McCarthy keeping his team focused and ready to play. It also speaks to Kellen Moore and Kellen Moore finding what his bread and butter is. At one point, I'm watching the game, and I'm noticing that I don't see, and I'm expecting, because you're down 20-0, to zero, so, but I'm expecting in my head to see more Jalen Tolbert, more Michael Gallup on the field. And I'm not. I'm seeing two tight ends, and they, they, they found out where their success was, what was working for them. Running the football was working for them. And I'm not a, a run-the-football type of person, but I see that they found in this game an identity that was going to work and they could stick with. And that goes to the maturity of Kellen Moore to identify okay, this is working. We're going to run the ball here. We're going to establish ourselves in this two tight end set. We're going to use the boot action to get us opportunities on the edges. They manufactured easier throws for Cooper Rush. Again, the, the physical limitations, they managed his limitations as best as they could to help him and make good throws to get themselves back in the game. So I think that speaks to a lot of the maturity of these coaches, uh, Kellen Moore especially, Dan Quinn, once he figured out, okay, we have a weakness without Lane Johnson. Let's attack that. Let's find out how we can do that. Uh, sending more pressure on Jalen Hurts, complicating things for Jalen Hurts. I think they responded very well, and like you said, it's 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 still a uh, it's, it's still a, a mortuary a little bit here, but um, they're they're barely kicking. I mean, they they they, they kicked back. Uh, I put it that way. They went down, but they kicked back tonight, and you want to see that. You want to see them continue to fight. And I think that's if there's a silver lining, that's it right there. It's great news. And not only because it's a loss, but this game on offense, and then we will talk about the point you brought up of Parsons and a lot of things with this Cowboys defense and the positives there. But, you know, I think this game, again, not just because they lost, but just the way it played out, if you you know, watch closely, it probably gave you the best clear examples of just what you have to look forward to with Prescott back in the lineup. You know, there was the missed alarm for potential touchdown, which could have changed how the ending of this game played out. And then in that desperation drive when they had the ball, to end it, uh, there was a throw to Gallup that was you know, just a little bit slow coming out of Russ's hands, and Darius Slay and all the eagle speed and the psychedelic showed out this game, but Darius Slay was able to get there and knock it away. You know, There were throws over the middle that we've seen Prescott hit a million times that got away from Cooper Russ. So, you know, again, full credit to what he his full body of work if this is the end of his chapter starting games about Prescott for the rest of the year, but this is the most clear example you know, if we want to be fair to him, you know, yes, and it was his first loss, but just the plays he left on the field are ones that, you know, you don't have to stretch too far to think that, oh, Prescott makes that difference. Because, you know, to talk this week, if it does come out early enough in the week that Prescott is on track to play against the Lions, the talk is going to be, oh, does he really make enough of a difference? You know, the Eagles are just that good, you know, because the Eagles were hyped up even before this game. And I think a lot of Cowboys fans are pushing back saying, well, have they really played anybody? You know, DeMarcus Lawrence even this week said, well, have they played us? 
and then the Cowboys defense went out and held, you know, the Eagles offense down to the fewest completions and passing yards of the season. So, you know, they held up there and for the most part, but now it's going to get to the point where, you know, I don't know if the average or national fan that hasn't seen Prescott every week is going to expect too much more from this team. But I think hopefully, you know, the Cowboys fans that weren't completely blinded by what Cooper Russ did up until this point on Sunday night can see that, you know, there's a lot of throws out there where this team could be creating more points and giving Dan Quinn's defense even more time to be playing off the lead or be playing more three and loose and getting after the quarterback, which is something they do really well. And I think when it comes to Dak Prescott, the part that I would like people to understand about Dak Prescott, and, you know, and I understand the, the bedrock of sports, not just the NFL, but the bedrock of sports is to the average person, you know, the person that does watch debate shows that talk about this supposed controversy between both quarterbacks and they feed into that kind of thing. Um, but the people that are listening to this podcast, people that are really football purists, if you're listening to this show, you are a football purist, plain and simple. You you are purely a Cowboys fan that wants to grow and understand the game even better because you understand it very well, is that a quarterback like Dak Prescott can only improve and enhance what you're trying to do. He's a, a maximizer of sorts, and he's able to identify the opportunities in a defense that's presenting him those opportunities, right? I think, um, and Collinsworth talked about it. Chris Collinsworth discussed it ad nauseum during the broadcast, talking about attacking the middle of the field. He says that, but you watch Cooper Rush, and he's very, very keen on testing the ball outside the numbers. Despite his own physical limitations and arm strength, he wants to test the ball outside the numbers. He wants to throw away from traffic. He's not attacking the middle of the field, at least down the seams. He's not, not aggressively, at least. So getting Dak Prescott back, what it does is it allows you to play your offense more complete, meaning it opens up the entire playbook. If you're impressed by what you saw from, let's say, Zeke Elliott tonight, you're going to be even more impressed when you're seeing a softer box with Dak Prescott back under center. So it can only help you do even more. Even those things of the the boot action that we saw all night tonight, the boot action is going to be a lot more respected when you actually do decide to hand the ball off if you have Dak Prescott under center. It's, it, it does so much more for your offense having Dak Prescott back. And I feel like for us to have to explain what that means and have to emphasize and just highlight what Dak Prescott means even now – after watching Cooper Rush play, who had, by the way, they have a QB rating of one entering the second half of the game. It's not I good, think, folks. Yeah, it's it's almost self-explanatory. I, I don't really know what else we're, we're scratching at here, but it just seems like when it comes to Dak Prescott, instead of trying to win these games in a dogfight every single week, armed with his premier elite defense, so they still are. I, I don't care about the scoreboard. They're still a premier defense. Trying to win games and pull them out, you know, because even if you remember a couple of years ago, the trope was, oh, you guys are content with winning, you know, losing games uh, 37 to 40, so long as Dak Prescott has good stats. Well, to that crowd, I say, you were happy to winning games 17 to 13 with bad quarterback play. That's not really what we're trying to do here. If you can blow teams out 34 to 13 and, just, and cakewalk your way to a lot of victories, then why not? And that potential is here maybe in the next coming weeks of playing the Bears, the Lions, and maybe a wounded Packers team. It's not quite as good as people think they are. So you can only get better by getting your franchise quarterback back. If we have to explain that any further. I mean, it's outrageous to me. Well, no doubt the Packers, who you mentioned, are losing at home today to the New York Jets, who are on a bit of a hot streak. So it's been a good couple of weeks for New York football with the Giants and Jets both playing well right now. Of course, the Giants, you know, 
way more relevant to the Cowboys as they are a team now that the Cowboys are looking up at in the standings. The Giants five and one. The Cowboys after Sunday night four and two. You know, the first ever post Cowboys win addition of hidden yardage was, of course, week two. This you know this year with Cooper Rush, it was a bit unexpected, but it was a lot of fun to come on after the Bengals game and you know talk about a team that had some new life breathed into the season. Still a long way to go in Prescott's recovery at that point, but you know, 0 2 is a pretty dark place to be. And instead, they were 1 1 after beating the reigning AFC champions. So we went on there, and the biggest point I think, you know, Mark and I made was that the offense still looked like they, they were calling what they would call for Prescott. And that's the biggest deal with Cooper Rush is that, you know, the offense looked so bad in week one that how could you possibly have to go back to work with your Kellen Moore and this staff and it's like, hey, we didn't even have a good game plan for our franchise quarterback a week one. Now we have to tear it all down and change it for Cooper Rush and find a way for him, you know, to go get this done and win. But instead, that wasn't the case. They, you know, Rush was able to show more so that he could still run the plays that they want to call for Prescott, maybe not to, to the same level of efficiency. And so you saw that against the Eagles defense, and that finally was able to capitalize on some late throws, some tips, and getting some pressure off the edge. So all of that, you know, led to the Cowboys losing their second game of the season. But it was a big deal that, you know, consistently with Ross, they were able to run the same offense and make it clear that, you know, they'll get to show the same looks of Prescott and be effective. So to that point, though, you know, the first half really was not a good moment, I didn't think, overall for Kellen Moore. I was tracking what the Cowboys did on first downs. I think a lot of Cowboys fans are used to, you know, almost not give up type of plays on first down, but the first down runs have been heavily discussed and then, you know, leading the second and third and longs, which is something that a couple of weeks ago, Stephen Jones in his one of five three to fan interview talked about as far as an offensive philosophy. I think a lot of fans ears perked up when they heard, you know, you want to get the third and manageable as opposed to, you know, these more, uh, don't want to use the word modern, but these more explosive offenses around the league, you know, Bills and Chiefs who played on Sunday, you know, they don't take the field thinking that they want to get third down. You want to get those 10 yards first and second down. So in the first half of this game, the Cowboys had 11 first down snaps and in order, it did not look good. They had the CDLM eight yard run on the opening series, but that drive ended in a three and out punt. They had a Tony Pollard three yard run. They did move the change in that series. They moved it again for Jake Ferguson, 13 yard catch. Can't say enough about you know the role he's finding for himself while Dalton Schultz is unfortunately missing some time right now. But then they had a Apollo two-yard run after that, and it and the drive ended in another punt. The interception, looking for Michael Gallup on a tip ball after the Eagles got the first points in the night, was a first down throw to create a sudden change for the defense, and the Eagles built off of their lead from there. And now we get one-yard run that led to that questionable turnover on downs. Questionable because of not only the spot to see the Lamb on third down, but the fourth down play call to roll. Cooper Rush out there, and it looked like Lamb got interfered with, but the ball wasn't thrown there, so that's why the call wasn't made, and you know, it became a tough situation for, again, the defense being put on the short field, and it started with Elliott pretty much getting no gain on first down on that series. Pollard, a one-yard run, the same thing on the next series, and then they threw it to him on a little outside screen for no gain after getting one first down on that drive, but it again ended in the interception, and you had the incomplete pass on another series, moved the chains with a Gallup nine-yard catch, but then the incomplete pass to uh, Noah Brown, which could have been 
an incredible touchdown, but it was ruled incomplete, and that led to the Cowboys' first points of the night, a field goal, which did change the momentum of the game just a bit, and the second half comeback was an overall positive for Kellen Moore, but yeah, that first half, you know, showed a deficiency a bit with an offense that is now, you know, going to have to answer not only questions from how you bounce back from this loss, but I think once Prescott runs back out on that field, you know, memories of week one are going to come back up where everyone's going to be remembering what happened against Tampa Bay, where even pre-injury, they just weren't getting the job done. And so now, you know, the pressure is, of course, there to at least be, at the very least, be as good as you were with Cooper Russ, if not a whole lot better, because you have some ground to make up in this division at 4-2 and two with New York and Philadelphia both ahead of you. And to kind of right after that point, because I know when Dak comes back, there are going to be these expectations of Dak Prescott. We, we kind of understand that, that people are going to expect Dak Prescott to be worlds better than Cooper Rush. When it comes to quarterback play, quarterback play isn't only about the statistics and the throws and the down the downs. It's just the decision making. That's the part that people need to understand. Um, again, as we stated before, with Cooper Rush, it's been about protecting him from making these mistakes, from having to process an entire 50-yard field across. You know, it's protecting him from making those mistakes. So if you're looking at the box score to indicate to you, which is kind of funny and ironic that people thought winning the game was enough, with Dak Prescott, I think you and I understand that Dak Prescott winning a game or solely winning a game is not enough because it hasn't been enough in, in the past for Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott beating up on a good on a bad team with good numbers is not enough for some people. And if it's not, that that's it's hard to kind of speak to that. But with Dak Prescott, you, you get a player who has the cognition of understanding the offense, but also being able to assess and kind of balance the risk and reward of playing quarterback in the NFL. And it gives this team a, a puncher's chance and more of a shot. So if he goes out there and he has, you know, let's just pretend he plays against the Lions, he have one touchdown and 200 yards. No, that's not anything to, to, you know, to write home about. But it's still, it's how it was done and how it was by holding, you know, that safety in the middle field or holding the linebacker for one extra second. It's just how he creates opportunities for his team by his mere presence. And that's what has to be kind of discussed and seen. But uh, like you said, people may not understand that right away, but that's just the nature of having Dak Prescott back and his impact. He's somehow the most underrated quarterback in all of football, even with a backup quarterback playing behind him and winning games. Averaging 18 points a game, he's still somehow underrated, and I, I don't see how that's still a conversation. But for for now and to the end of his days as quarterback of the Cowboys, that's probably what it's going to be like. So let's talk about this Cowboys defense. They were certainly frustrated at times this game, but did their best to keep Dallas in the game, which they did, and giving the Cowboys a puncher's chance at the end there. It was a overall great sports weekend for Philadelphia, as much as I of course hate to say that, and you know, bad taste and. All of them, myself, especially being, a, you know, as Mark brings up all the time, a New Jersey native now down here in Texas as a Cowboys fan. And, you know, seeing good things happen for Philly sports is always tough. But they have the Phillies uh, in the NLDS. You know, a lot of Philly jerseys were sewn on camera doing Sunday Night Football. And then the Eagles now rolling right along at 6-0. and But defensively, and they certainly did some things to the Cowboys that we haven't really seen this year. Jalen Hurts is one of the more unique quarterbacks in this league. So he's always going to present a different type of challenge. But, you know, I think it wasn't a new thing that 
if there was a weakness to Dan Quinn's defense at any level, defensive line, linebacker, or secondary, it was at linebacker, and the Eagles were built almost perfectly, you know, even coming into this game to take advantage of any team that might have a deficiency at linebacker. And, you know, the Cowboys, I think, really showed that, which on, you know, on paper wouldn't be a good sign, but there's certainly some personnel changes that could be coming there. You're working with Jabril Cox trying to potentially see more snaps and even Damone Clark later on in the year. And, you know, if not, Dan Quinn's able to move guys around like Donovan Wilson, Jalen Coast play down there. But, you know, what the Eagles were able to do with the Cowboys at linebacker is just really get that misdirection going and the read option type game with Jalen Hoots and faking the ball to Miles Sanders. And when you're able to make those types of plays, the easy solution, you know, I think to probably a lot of Cowboys fans watching would be, oh, well, play Parsons at linebacker. And the answer was, when Parsons isn't playing linebacker, who's going to step up? And on Sunday night, it was, you know, maybe a couple of flash plays from White and Vanderess, but not enough to hold the Eagles down as the Cowboys give up three touchdowns for the first time all year, giving up more than one. And when Parsons was down there at defensive end, the Eagles had a game plan for that as well. Again, going to those read option arcs and forcing him to pretty much, you know, play unblocked, but not be able to make the play and having to funnel it to somebody else who wasn't able to always step up and make those stops. So, you know, the Cowboys, how much of a long-term kind of problem do you see these linebackers being as far as it being a copycat league and are any other teams other than the Eagles with their unique offense and Jalen Hurts equipped to kind of do what they did on the second level, manipulating those defenders the way that Philadelphia had so much success with? It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I think you might answer your own question there because I don't think any team presents that type of situation where you have a Jalen Hurts who understands how to play, who's also supported by his coach the same way. I mean, I know we have some mobile quarterbacks that are on our schedule. I do think of a guy first off like Justin Fields, but Justin Fields doesn't kind of have the command yet and the understanding yet to run that offense without uh, without any problems. Plus, he doesn't have the same weapons. And speaking of the linebackers, I think maybe by the second drive I was watching the game, I said to myself, these linebackers are overcommitting on the run um, for I mean, as if they're moving forward. So they're allowing the lanes behind them to open up whether that's going to be crossing patterns behind them. Uh, they're really keying in on the run in Jalen Hurts, and that opens a lot of throwing lanes to guys going across the middle of the field, whether it be Devontae Smith, whether it be Dallas Goddard, whether it be A.J. Brown. That's a unique set of circumstances to scheme against. It's just a lot of good weapons and good options, and their misdirection was done very well tonight. But I don't think other teams have that type of talent quarterback and let's give credit where it's due coaching to pull that off now not everybody else has a Micah Parsons either and I think it might have been just Micah's it was just a a tough situation for Micah I think he wasn't ready for that uh and the thing is that that my takeaway from that is the players that the Cowboys have had really step up and emerge this season um that to the point where you you rely on them every week of course you're gonna rely on Micah Parsons that's a no-brainer uh, but relying on, on a guy like Donovan Wilson, who I didn't think had his best game tonight, I, I think there were just certain things where he was a little bit confused as to what his assignment was. I think about the touchdown uh, throw to Devontae Smith, where he got lost. 
Um, he, he went underneath uh, to a flat defender, but I think his assignment was, was uh, Devontae Smith in the end zone. Right. So I, I think in a case like that, the Eagles did it. I mean, even in my notes for the game, uh, that particular drive, everything done there was well played, very well played, very well focused, very well coached. And again, I'm giving a lot of credit to Nick Sirianni and his bunch, but you know, as a fan of the game as a whole, you appreciate what they were able to do. I mean, taking the Cowboys out of their element, how you were able to scheme against uh, Michael Parsons and what he was able to do. And then you think about them just kind of losing their silence. Jordan Lewis, for an example, it's just the supporting cast on defense. While they, they did rebound well, they, they made a lot of mistakes early in the game by being out leveraged by the play action and the run, uh, the, the running game that just, it took them out of their element. I think that's it. But I don't think many teams can replicate that based on coaching, personnel, uh, and just understanding of what you have to out-game plan against with the Cowboys. Now, you, of course, can't take any points away from the Eagles. This game is done and dusted, and the Cowboys all have to bounce back against the Lions. But as mentioned, you know the Cowboys had not given up more than one touchdown in any game this season. So to try to be you know as fair as we can to the defense, the A.J. Brown touchdown – in the second quarter, it came after a Cooper Ross interception, so it was an extra possession gifted to him. And then you mentioned just kind of a miscommunication on the last one to Devonta Smith. I note, I noted that as well when it comes to Donovan Wilson's game, who his best plays this year have come, you know, down as they come almost a hybrid linebacker. That's Aaron Coastal from last year, and of course Coast is still here, but he missed a couple of games at the beginning of the year, and you know maybe he needs to go back to playing more of a deep safety role if you are going to play Wilson down as. He made, you know, he struggled to make that play in coverage there. So that was, of course, a touchdown that goes on a defense. But the other one was from a an interception, as I mentioned. And then the Miles Sanders touchdown, which got the scoring started, was a drive extended in the red zone by that Dante Fowler uh, offsides call. And when, when it was all said and done, this was still the fewest completions in yards that Jalen Hurts has thrown for all season. So it's not like you know, the Cowboys defense was – Completely exposed against the quarterback who is firing on all cylinders, though. He has his team as the only unbeaten in the NFL. He has them atop the NFC East. You know, any Cowboys fans that had doubts about how good this Eagles team was, I don't think you can discredit them anymore because you'd, you would just be discrediting our own team when it comes to the expectations that I think we should all still have for the Cowboys based on the fact of getting Dak Prescott back. So the Cowboys so much room for improvement and they're going to be in this thing until the end but the eagles have also proven that through six weeks being a perfect six and oh lp as i mentioned at the beginning you're one of our newer members of the btb staff we had david hellman filling in for uh, mark lane last week and i'd like to give him a chance to just kind of talk about some of the things you can see throughout the week with all of our talented staff at bloggingtheboys.com so let us know uh, what you usually have coming on a weekly basis for our readers and listeners to take a look at when it comes to bloggingtheboys.com this week. Definitely this week. Spending a couple of days uh, getting over this one, but then we'll start turning the page to the Lions. Of course, of course. Uh, I mean, well, immediately following this game today, I have my, my game ball. So I know it's hard to you know think about the positives and losing a game. It's never easy to lose a game, especially against a hated rival like the Eagles. But definitely there are players that, that deserve a lot of credit that should be mentioned for their performances individually. So coming out this week, right away, hopefully tomorrow, if not at latest Tuesday, will be uh, my game ball as the player who deserved the most recognition on Dallas for their performance. And then five stars, five players who played their part, 
despite losing the game, they definitely played their part. They came to they play well enough to win that game in certain areas. But there's, as you mentioned, some guys that I'm going to focus on um, just to kind of tease it a little bit. I think Zeke Elliott was very good in this game. We didn't talk about him yet, but I think he deserves mentioning for how he played in this game, for sure. Elliott certainly has looked rejuvenated all season long and the way he has played complimentary football to Tony Pollard, who was stuffed on a good amount of runs in the first half, but found some room there in the second half. There's something to watch as the season goes on. I think you know we all still freshly remember what happened to this Cowboys offense last year. And something I wrote about recently on our site, right before it came out right before this game, was that, you know, it's going to be hard to, for some fans to know, you know, when to buy into this team as you're rolling along. If a backup quarterback, it's easy to lose sight of, you know, oh, well, they did so well last year, 12 wins regular season, but then they still got bounced first round of the playoffs. But what this Prescott injury has done in a positive light, you know, the best you can is, you know, short in that window where Kellen Moore's offense can get figured out to an extent. They're still going to run similar plays that they've been running with Russ when it comes to Prescott, which is a big deal, and it's great that they'll be able to do that just with a better efficiency that Prescott will bring and, you know, more mobility and some of those rollout type, type of throws. All of that is stuff to look forward to. But the biggest thing might be that, you know, it's, it'll be harder for this offense to get stale like it did last year as they make that adjustment, but there's still a long way to go in terms of adjustments. You know, they still have some offensive line stuff on to figure out. There's still growing pains for Tyler Smith. They still have to potentially work out a plan with Jason Peters if he's going to be, you know, any type of consistent option, LF guard or wherever he may end up lining up. Terrence Steele certainly didn't do anything tonight, you know, to make you think that a change has to come at right tackle. He's been great not only all year long, but especially in this game against the Eagles. So, there will be adjustments, you know, even the tight end position. Dalton Schultz deserves to get on the field, but Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot also have proven that they can make plays, so you have to work those guys in. And, you know, Jalen Tolbert's a guy who can maybe make some more flash plays for you when given a chance as well. So not to say that there's not adjustments and new wrinkles to this offense that we'll have to see, but, you know, they're at a point where it's pretty much just all systems go ahead with – what they've been doing because it's working. It didn't work on Sunday night. We know that this is our second, you know, hidden yard. It's coming on after a loss, but a lot more positives than what we talked about after the Tampa Bay game. And I think if, even overall with the roster, it's a great problem to have. That's the one thing. If you're going to take the the positives out of this team and, and where we are, because it's the way I see it with these next couple of games and you expect them to kind of bounce back and do really well. Uh, I expect them to kind of go into the bye week and then self-evaluate and see where you are. And I think when you kind of walk into it, and I'm look, I, I'll go ahead and, and not bury the lead, but I, I do think they're going to bounce back the next two games and be sitting really good at their bye week. I think you go into the bye week, you assess where you are, and you think to yourself and say, you know what, we've got some good problems here from personnel. We're getting healthier. That's the one thing. They're, they're getting healthier as they've gone along. I think they look at their their roster overall, especially at like let's say safety. That has so much depth at safety. You're gonna look at your your edge rush, your pass rush, your interior on the defensive line. Um, with still a guy like Justin Hill, who's an afterthought, and keeps flashing. And then you talk about the tight ends as well, the tight ends, and maybe you get you know a uh, James Washington, a receiver that has uh, deep speed, but also more experience. So it just feels like incrementally they're getting healthier and healthier, and they're figuring out what they're doing. And I think the best thing that could happen to them. Kind of, kind of pull back from last uh, last year, uh, playing the Cardinals, having a bad game, playing the Niners, 
having Kellen Moore have to reassess what he is and what he believes in to help this team and having more a well-rounded understanding of the highs and the lows, it only serves them well going forward. And I think that's a good thing to understand. Again, that's the silver lining of losing, but you also understand where the line is and what we can do to improve our team based on our experiences of not doing so well, but also having our, our highs that are really high. So I think that's a great thing. So we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but yeah, you know, I agree with you. I don't think many Cowboys fans will really call you out too much for saying that, you know, they expect to win against the Lions and Bears, but on the same note, the Eagles schedule looking ahead as they showed at the end of Sunday night football, they are pretty favorable for the league's remaining unbeaten. So those six and zero record goes on the line against at home against the Steelers next week. Now the Steelers, of course, did beat Tom Brady and the Bucks with a combination of Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky, a quarterback. So, you know, again, a dangerous game to look ahead, but the Eagles will be favored against a Pittsburgh Steelers team at home next week. And that, that game is in the 12, uh, 12 o'clock early window. And then the Texans and Commanders and Colts are the next three after that for the Eagles. So, yeah, the Cowboys have some favorable games and they'll need to just keep pace with the Eagles and hope to get them in the next head-to-head matchup, which is, of course, at AT&T Stadium. And that game is scheduled for December 24th. So, Christmas Eve for Cowboys or Eagles fans to be celebrating going into the holiday. And we, of course, hope it'll be Cowboys Nation enjoying the best of that one at AT&T Stadium. So that game is week 16. And then the Eagles, of course, end the year with the Giants as everybody ends with a divisional game. And the Giants, the way they're playing, you know, that could be another big game as well. I want to end the show on a bit of a somber note, if you will. Somber, but positive as well. Um, to the extent that I can talk about this, I'd like to just mention that many of you have probably seen or noticed that my normal co-host, Mark Lane, is dealing with some health issues. The only reason I'm bringing this up is because it made it onto Twitter uh, you know, recently. And I just want to, and we'll of course give him the chance to address this when he's back on this show, Hidden Yardage here on bloggingtheboys.com. We always say thank you to RJ Ochoa on this show for the opportunity to do this show. And, you know, Mark dealing with some health issues. Um, you know, I happened to see some of the replies on Twitter from just some of the best fans in Cowboys Nation, you know, checking it up in, making sure he was okay and sending him well wishes. Can't say enough how much that means. You know, Mark and I, of course, talked privately throughout the week leading up to this show, as I think, you know, everybody would expect when you have, you know, chemistry you're trying to build with a co-host. We've never actually met in person, but we've done, you know, 30-something episodes of a podcast, so to try to build up that connection. We talk, you know, in our own ways throughout the week, but when it gets on to a social media platform like Twitter, it's just so awesome to see fans that he's been following for a long time that have been following him for a long time. And that I've been following as well, you know, really reaching out to show the support. And it really does prove you know, time and time again, in so many different ways, the Cowboys nation is the best fan base in the NFL. Again, for so many reasons. And this being the latest, and, you know, certainly hits close to home for me. Mark is a, been a great co-host to work with. He has so many great connections throughout the NFL media world that have shown up on this show. And, you know, he brings in perspective on things that I, you know, enjoy talking about both in football and away from football. We have so many different unique podcasts throughout the BTB network, and they all have their own little quirks to them to make them interesting and different and unique. And one thing I really enjoy about this show that I take a lot of pride in is being, is holding down one of the hosting spots here from Austin, Texas. It's a, such a fun spot to 
you know, be talking Cowboys in. It's not, you know, the hub that for Cowboys content that Dallas probably is. It's more of a split between Cowboys, Texans, and all kinds of fans here with just how diverse and unique Austin is. But you've still heard it come up on this show plenty of times, as well as my roots being in New Jersey and Mark being willing to, you know, true story. I've mentioned this and maybe nobody believed me at the time, but, you know, true story that he almost booked a flight to New Jersey just to try our famed pork roll, I can see you sandwich, but yet, um, but we have found a place in Dallas that we've been talking about for weeks to, uh, to to try to make it happen in a place that's closer to both of us. And, of course, when he is uh, feeling better, we're still going to try to do that. And I'll be happy to uh, you know, to buy him that sandwich when, when that time comes. So there is a GoFundMe going for Mark. I'll make sure it gets up on my Twitter at somewhere in NFL. And it's been shared by OJ and probably our blog and the boys channel as well. And, you know, you can look at the list of the donations that come in. And some are anonymous, but a lot of them aren't. And if you scroll that list as a Cowboys fan that's plugged in to Twitter and this show and everything else, I think you'll recognize a lot of the names, but just sort of bring a smile to your face, just knowing that, you know, these great Cowboys fans are here to uplift, again, someone that works hard for us and does Cowboys coverage, Texans coverage. And if you read the GoFundMe page, there's, you know, even some more personal details that even as his co-host, I didn't even know about. Um, when it comes to some of the things he's been through. So I'm not going to read those, though. But if you do make it to the page, you know, you can see them for yourself. But even things that I didn't know about, because how could you know when you know he shows up every Sunday when we record this show and has such a great attitude towards it and, you know, has made this a lot of fun to be a part of. I wasn't planning on jumping right back into Cowboys coverage when I moved to Texas. I knew, you know, the office would be there. I knew people were going to try to the best they could to get me back into doing this type of thing. But I really thought that, I was ready to move on and just focus on some other things. So you can, you know, you may ask yourself, how do you go from being done with this to being as involved as hosting a weekly podcast and writing articles every week? And you know, the answer is just the people you get to work with to bring back that spirit in you to want to be, you know, the best you can on this show. And so Mark has certainly been a great part of Hidden Yarders that we miss, although we thank both David Hellman and today LP Cruz for filling in and we may continue to have some fill-ins going forward, but, let me just say a thank you to Cowboys Nation for the support you've shown, Mark. And, uh, you know, as his co-host, I'm looking forward to getting him back on this show, and I know he is as well. And, man, thank you for uh, having me fill in. It's been a great time talking Cowboys football. Mark, uh, I'm sure you're listening. Get well soon. I'm sure you're sorely missed here on the show. I, I'm glad I was able to jump in, help out, just keep the seat warm for you. But get well soon, and, you know, it'll be here when you get back. So tell the listeners again one more time where they can give you a follow LP. Yep, you guys can find me on Twitter at SDQ Flight Crew. All right, check out all of LP's work at bloggingtheboys.com. We'll have plenty of reaction from this Eagles game. Like I said, we'll turn the page to the Lions game, which should be a much more positive outlook. Cowboys lose in Philadelphia, but a second half surge gives us enough positives to talk about, including the much anticipated return of Dak Prescott. Something to keep an eye on this week at Blogging the Boys on Twitter. We'll have all of that for you as well. I am at Sean Martin NFL. Feel free to, of course, follow and ask any questions there as we go into the week with my notes from the Eagles game coming out soon. And there it is.